0: We're glad you could join us today for the Concepts of Faith broadcast. This program is dedicated to teach you how to put the Word of God to work so that it will make a positive difference in the everyday circumstances of your life. And now, here's Charles Caps. We need to understand these things and understand what the context of it is here, where he's giving us some insight into the Scripture, and I'll tell you, when we get a hold of it, it'll help us. Because, you see, the Apostle Paul said that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light, The messenger of Satan, or you can call him an angel of the devil, was the thing that was buffeting Paul. Now, let's go to Acts, the 11th chapter. Now, we talked about this. I mean, we've mentioned it, but let's get it to where you can see it. In Acts, the 11th chapter, where the persecution started against Paul and was developed very highly against Paul. We'll read from the 11th chapter in verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that for a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now notice this. For one whole year, Paul preached the gospel, and it doesn't say a whole lot about persecution until after the year was up. For a whole year he preached this revelation, Paul's revelation of the rebirth of the human spirit, that we are born in the likeness of Christ. And they were called Christians first at Antioch. They were called Christ ones, or little Christ, because Paul taught them you're just pulled out of the same mole <laughs> as Jesus was. And because of that, notice in verse 27, And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch. And they stood up one named Agabus, signifying by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability determined to send relief unto the brethren that dwelt in Judea. You notice when they heard the prophets say there's coming a drought, they immediately started giving and sowing seed. The point I wanted to get over here was the fact that this is actually where Paul's real persecution started when he began to teach the revelation. The revelation of the fact that we were little Christ are capable of operating in the same anointing of Christ. Now go into Acts the 13th chapter. In verse 50, here in the 13th chapter, it says, But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city, raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them out of their coast." But they shook off the dust off their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now see, here's Paul in this situation. Again, where this angel of the devil stirred up trouble again. Now you come right into the next chapter, in chapter 14 and verse 2 says, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil-affected against the brethren, a long time therefore both they speaking boldly in the Lord which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done at his hand. But the multitude of the city was divided in part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. So the whole thing ended up being was that they had to go to another city because of the persecution. And then verse 7 says and there they preached the gospel. They went to Lyconia and preached the gospel. there was a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked, and the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, "Stand up right on thy feet," and he leaped and walked. Now notice, every time that the demon would stir up trouble, Paul would go to another place and begin to preach, and the anointing of God would come upon him. Now remember, Paul said, I'll glory in my weakness that I can't control the situation, that the power of God will come upon me. So when the anointing of God came on him, he just destroyed the work of the devil. And I imagine the demons and the devil had a meeting. And he's wanting to know why this thing's not working the way he intended for it to, because Paul is operating in the power of the Spirit. Notice after this man leaped and walked says, when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voice, saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. Now, isn't that just like men? When they see the power of God operate, they wanted to say that the gods have come down. But you see, they had it just exactly backwards. It was not the gods that had come down in the likeness of men. It was men that had come in the likeness of God. And that's actually what Paul had done there. He began to operate in the power of the Spirit, in the anointing of God. Now, come right on over into the 14th chapter, verse 19. There came thither certain Jews from Antioch in Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing that he had been dead. Now, you can just mark it down. If they left him for dead, he was dead because they didn't quit throwing stones until they were sure he was dead. Notice what happened. How be it, as the disciples stood around about, he rose up and came into the city. The next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. (laughs) Now, you know, this gets amusing here as you watch the anointing of God work on Paul. Now, you see what Paul was referring to when he said, I'll gladly glory in my infirmity in my weakness, in the fact that I can't control the crowd. But the anointing of God will come on me, and when I'm the weakest, then am I strong. So, you know, when a man's dead, he's pretty weak. There's no doubt about it. He's just been stoned. And he wasn't controlling the situation, that's for sure. But the anointing of God came on him. Now, it says, when the disciples stood around. Now, you know, they wasn't just standing around there. If you know a bunch of believers... Like they were and like they are today. They're standing around there praying in the Spirit. And Paul rose up from the dead. And he departed the next day with Barnabas to Derby and just went right on preaching the gospel. So you see this angel of the devil, following Paul in all of his journey, and all of his ministry, dispatched to him, assigned to him. And you see, Paul related the fact. He said, I've prayed about this thing three times. And every time I prayed, Jesus just kept telling him the same thing. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's all that he could ever get out of Jesus and out of God is that my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Well, thank God he was, wasn't he? See, sometimes there's situations involved that unless we act, then God's not going to. It's up to us sometimes. We have to declare some things. We have to decree some things. And just because it says some things in the Bible, these things won't necessarily happen to you just because they're in the Bible. But they'll happen if you'll make them happen by operating on the authority of God's Word, beginning to do the things that the Bible says to do. But you see, without us acting on God's Word, without us setting forth these things as the Scripture says, then we're not going to have the results the Bible said we can have. But you see, the Apostle Paul, even the Apostle Paul, see, sometimes we get in awe when we say an apostle. And I think one of the problems is that we have put the apostles on the pedestal. And we've said, why, these were great men of God, and certainly they were. But you notice that it said over here that there were great miracles and signs wrought at the hands of Paul. God wrought special miracles in Acts 19, it said, by the hands of Paul. Now, that wasn't something that Paul did. That was something God did. Because Paul just operated in the anointing of God. He said, I will glory in the fact that I can't do it. That I'm weak, that I can't do it. So the anointing of God will rest on me. In other words, he said, I'm depending on the anointing of God. And I tell you, we make a mistake when we think that we're going to do it ourselves. We have to wait for the anointing of God sometimes in a certain area. But Paul didn't take authority over the situation at first. He understood later that God was not going to get this demon off of him. It was an assignment of the devil. I mean, you know, in the natural world today, they're in the mafia and different things. They write a contract on somebody's life, and they assign somebody to take that life. Well, the devil is assigning demons and dispatching them to ministers of the gospel, to keep them from preaching the word of God, to keep them in strife, to get them in problem areas, to get you all upset, and to get you mad at people, and get you all out of sorts so you can't operate in the love of God and the faith of God. And see, unless you recognize that as being a thorn in the flesh unless you recognize that as being a messenger of Satan sent after you to destroy your ministry and to destroy you from doing what God's called you to do, then you'll probably never get rid of it. There are some people that'll have a thorn in the flesh all of their life. But you see, it's not because God wants them to have it. It's not because it's God's will for them to have a thorn in the flesh. It's certainly not God's will for the gospel to be hindered. It certainly wasn't God's will for this revelation that God had given Paul. To be hindered. Just ask yourself, why would God give Paul a great revelation then cause problems everywhere he went to keep him from preaching it? Now, you know, you know that, that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, just common sense would tell you better than that. But you see, religious ideas sometimes don't have any common sense. And of course, I can understand that if you've been taught that way, you'd believe that way. But you see, that's why we have to kick over some of these sacred cows. We have to see what's holding these things up and holding people in bondage. I appreciate so much you joining us for the Concepts of Faith broadcast today. Before I leave the broadcast, let me remind you all of this week that our CD offer will be CD offer number 7212. 7212. It's called Paul's Thorn in the Flesh. Two CD's for $15 plus $4 postage and handling, total of $19. Paul's thorn in the flesh, that's the thorn that has stuck more people than any other thorn in all the world. (laughs) You hear people saying all kinds of things about, well, nobody ever knows what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. And you hear them say, well, Paul's thorn in the flesh was sore eyeballs, or he couldn't see good, or, you know, something. And uh, I heard a fellow say one time, well, you know, nobody knows what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Well, Paul knew it was his thorn. He ought to know what it was. But the problem is that people think that God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh. But, you know, God didn't give Paul revelation of the new birth, then send a messenger of Satan to buffet him everywhere he went so he couldn't preach the revelation that God gave him. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the scripture says, "...and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation." He says, "...there was given me a thorn in the flesh." Well, now, God didn't give him the thorn in the flesh. Paul didn't say God gave it to him, but most people believe that God gave him a thorn in the flesh. He said, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Paul tells you what it was. It was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, lest he should be exalted above measure. In other words, it wasn't to humble him. It was to keep him from being exalted with this great revelation so that all the world would receive his revelation. And when people think God gave it to him, they go to thinking all kinds of things that are unscriptural. You need this series, two CDs, for fifteen dollars plus four dollars postage and handling, total of nineteen dollars. That's offer number seventy-two twelve. We have a toll-free order line one eight seven seven three nine six ninety four hundred. Until tomorrow, this is Charles Kemp reminding you the enemy is defeated, God is exalted, and yes, Jesus is coming soon. To order the product offered today, call one eight seven seven three nine six ninety four hundred.